It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances, and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skips his way to the end zone. He'll drop it off to Pouliot, twists it back to McDavid, inside to Everly, reach out, score! Three, nothing, Jordan Everly from Connor McDavid, and the Oilers are pouring it on, Craig Anderson and the hapless Senators. And it's a home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports, with Reed Wilkins, on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chet. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. We are flying into this show, and we have a lot to get to. Of course, the Oilers now with just 10 games left in their season. Hey, do you think the power play is going to get any better before the end of the year? We'll talk about that tonight. Drew Remenda from Sportsnet will check in. A former Edmonton Oiler on the show tonight as well. Ryan Smith now chasing an Allen Cup championship with the Stony Plain Eagles. Stony Plain and Bentley tied 1-1 in the Chinook League final. The U of A Golden Bears hockey team chasing a title as well. Their third straight national championship is three wins away. They will start on Thursday in Halifax against St. FX defenseman Jordan Rowley on the show. We'll uh, touch on some predictions for the NCAA tournament. Megan Mickelson is our living the dream feature this week. She just won a title with the Calgary Inferno in the Canadian Women's Hockey League. Oh, and this is pretty cool. In studio at 8 o'clock tonight, Jelena Mergenovic, WBC and WBA World Featherweight Champion. She won those belts back on Friday night right here in Edmonton. Yeah, we are getting to all that this evening. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. Of course, you can reach us 780-496-0063. You can also text us at 630-630. The email inside sports at 630ched.com and you can tweet me at Reed Wilkins. All right. So, uh rough one for the Oilers last night. They played okay. They did not get the win. Uh, obviously, uh you know, you'd think that second goal is going to be stopped by Laurent Brassois as he becomes a more seasoned goaltender. I'm sure it will. A uh, couple of, I mean, the last power play they only had for, what, 13 seconds at the end of the game. A couple of other power play opportunities they could not cash in. That continues to be a huge, huge problem for the Edmonton Oilers. One for their last 32 with the man advantage. And, of course, a big topic of discussion after practice today. Part of that is is mental. When we're running at the at the high end, we were 22, 23% at some point this year. We dipped, we went back up. Guys jump on the ice, they believe they're going to score. Uh, guys jump on the ice now and they're wondering if they're going to score, if they're going to get any chances of where the frustration begins to creep in. So some of it's mental. you got to work your way through it. Uh, we need to get the puck to the, the goaltender's pads a little bit more. We tend to make um, five, six... Not bad passes, and then we get the breakout again. When you start to shoot the puck, I mean, um, you get a lot of pucks back, and 
um, then it creates uh, a little bit of scrambled plays and uh, stuff opens up off of that. So uh, the more we can shoot, I think definitely the better. You know, I don't think it, it. You go out there feeling like you're not on the power play, and you know you'd rather, you know, decline the penalty or anything like that. I think at times it does get in your head. You see the numbers. You know, I think it's under three percent now since you know some days. So you, you see the numbers and you hear the talk and. It, it does get in your head a bit, and I think you've seen that uh, some of the guys maybe are making some decisions that are uncharacteristic for some plays, uh, but eventually it's going to go in if we just continue to do the right things. All right, so comments from head coach Todd McClellan and a couple of centers, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Mark Latestu. I, I was thinking about the whole shooting thing, and because it's it's easy, I mean, I mean sometimes you watch stuff, and you think you're watching something and then you check the numbers or you, or you take a closer look or look at it a second time and then you maybe see or realize something else. So I thought, what, what is actually going on with the shots here? And in this case, the numbers completely back everything up. First of all, in terms of pure percentage, the Oilers' power play is 27th in the NHL. It's now down to 16.2%. They're only ahead of Calgary, Winnipeg, and Toronto. Oh, how interesting. The bottom four teams in the league also have the bottom four power plays. In terms of total shots on goal, just total shots on goal, I looked that up. I thought, oh, I wonder how many total shots the Oilers have with the man advantage. They have 286, which is 24th. So there we go, near the bottom of the league. But I thought, well, some teams have more power plays than others, so maybe the total's not the way to go. So, uh, And this is all on that uh, site, stats.hockeyanalysis. I thought, how many shots for on the power play do the Oilers have per 60 minutes? Not very good there either. 48 and a half. They're 23rd in the league. And then I checked the Oilers' shooting percentage with the power play. On what percentage of their shots do they score? 11.2%, which is 28th in the NHL. So no matter what way you cut it, with shots and goals and efficiency... They're in the bottom six in the league. Now, obviously, it's the efficiency that is, is obviously the one that matters. But I, I just thought, I thought, well, maybe are they getting more shots maybe than other teams? I, I actually, I actually thought they'd be last when I looked it up. They're not last in total shots, but they're close. They're twenty fourth. So it's a team that doesn't get a lot of shots on the power play that also has one of the worst power play shooting percentages and therefore has one of the worst power plays. I mean, if they had a better percentage, 13, 14, 15%, they'd be getting by a little better, even with the low shot total. So not only are we seeing a a low shot total, we're seeing shots not being finished. And quite frankly, I think for power play caliber shots, they're they're not getting a lot of high-quality shots on the power play. Remember a few years ago, they were the masters of that cross-crease pass. That hasn't been happening. We, we have discussed ad nauseum the lack of a point shot on the power play. So, I mean, we know that is a personnel issue as much as it's an execution, uh, an execution issue. And then you have a lot of shots that, okay, wrist shot from the wing without a screen. A floater from the line from Sekera when he does get it through, which lately hasn't been nearly enough. All right, so that's a soft shot hits the goalie or he sees it and catches it. So a lot of things adding up here for the Oilers. You heard Ryan Nugent Hopkins saying shooting isn't a bad thing. So they know they got to do it. Quite frankly, they never do it quickly enough. I mean, okay, you got the you got the manpower advantage. 
It's only an advantage if you make it an advantage. And one thing, one way to do that is to retrieve the puck, to overload it to retrieve. Another way to do it is is when you have the extra space, use the extra space to actually one-time the puck. And no one one-times the puck. And don't say Neil Yakupov, because when he has been on the power play, he fans on it 90% of the time or shoots wide. So... It's it's a it's a mentality issue. It's a personnel issue. It's an execution execution issue. And yes, to some degree, it's a coaching issue as well. And that is all added up for a team that I thought, and I think a lot of you thought, was going to be good on the power play this season to have an absolutely, quite frankly, horrible power play. Twenty seventh in the league. There's no other. There's in my mind no other word for it, especially given some of the people. And you know what? Sure, maybe with some players have we been guilty of overestimating what they could accomplish. All right, fair enough. But specifically Nugent Hopkins and, and uh, Everly, they have been good power play point producers in the past, and they haven't been this year. Uh, Todd McClellan was uh, asked about the kind of work they're doing to prepare on the power play. We pre-scout what the other team is going to do, obviously, on their forecheck and that type of stuff. They need information. Um, but right now we're trying to get them to understand... Um, you know, even on the ice today in practice, like if, if this is what's happening and we do this, this is, you know, there's a, a chain of events that happen. When you target a certain area of the ice, do this and this will happen and this may be your out. So getting them to understand why things happen, not just because we do things. You know, this is our breakout. Well, why do we do a certain breakout in a certain situation? If they understand it, why they're doing it and what may open up, we, we may have more success. So we're going back to that a little bit, but... Um, you know, overall, I might be wrong, and some of the uh, statistic people might correct me tomorrow, but I, I think that a lot of power plays have, have diminished over uh, the past month and a half because it's getting tougher and penalty killers are ramping it up a little bit. Um, you know, so a lot have dipped. Ours has dipped significantly, and uh, it would be nice to get it going before that summer break comes, just to get a little confidence in it. All right, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Of course, you can text 63630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Oilers and Blues tomorrow, 6 o'clock face-off show. The game will start at 7.30. Darnell Nurse eligible to play again. His suspension is over. This is your Action Furnace Oilers report. Action Furnace is home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Back with a little more uh, Oilers chatter. Drew Remenda coming up between 6.30 and 7 as well. Inside Sports on Ched. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 620. My name is Reed Wilkins. Man, we got a fun show coming up. Jelena Mergenovic in studio, 805. That's going to be great. Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Kellen, old boy, good to see you. Hey, good to see you too, Reed. And nice haircut. Thank you. I got my haircut this afternoon. Nice. Straight to uh, work from the haircut. Now, do you find that your head feels lighter uh, with less hair, or are you just one of the person people that don't really notice? I, it? I have found there are certain things that make my head feel lighter. A haircut, not one of them. Not one of them. Okay. <laughs> Though it, uh, I do appreciate that. I'll give a free plug to uh, Chris at Mousy Browns on 124th. Right on. She cool. is truly 
wonderful at her job. Excellent work. Uh, do you fill out an NCAA bracket? Uh, no, not this year. Well, I'm waiting for the playoffs because the NHL does that thing now with the brackets, right? Oh, well, you should fill out. We, we're going to have uh, Paul Basir from PredictionMachine.com on the show. Mm. He's going to tell us. This guy, I think he's he's got like a master's in some kind of math stuff. I'll ask. I'll try to find out specifically what, so I'm not calling it math stuff. Go Gonzaga. <laughs> they are in it. I think yeah. they're a number six or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he's but he uses. See, instead of his using his his math to you know design rocket ships or or bridges bridges, he uses it to predict who's going to win sporting events. Cool. Is there more a more noble cause? I, I can't think of any. Uh, Chris says uh, the shin pad assassinator Sekera should never be on the power play or on the ice down a goal in the last minute. That's the Oilers' problem. He's a second pairing defenseman on any other team. Well, yes. I think he's a good second-bearing defenseman, but he is a second-pairing defenseman. And uh, right now, the Oilers also have four AHL defensemen on their roster, which hasn't helped either, which is why Sekera has to be out on the ice in the uh, last minute when they're down a goal. Uh, another texter says, the Oilers' power play is just two slots above their league standing. They're just a really bad hockey team. Craig says... Reed, I'm worried the Oilers are going to get a beatdown from a frustrated Blues team tomorrow. That is from Craig. Craig, I am also worried about that. Don't get me wrong, Craig. I got the worry pants on about that. There's no doubt about it. St. Louis Blues got bashed last night. Down 5-2 after 2 to the Flames. Lost 7-4. Just guessing that that doesn't sit well with them. Topher Allen says, hey, Reed, I know they've looked at this power play from all angles, trying to find a solution for the problems, but has anyone looked at Bob Stoffer? Not saying, but it seems it went south since he started pushing the Mediterranean chicken. Maybe a meat lover's might create a spark. That's from Topher Allen, <laughs> who's an amusing gentleman. Hopefully Bob's pizza selection is not affecting the Oilers' power play. Um... Tell you what, though, there are some things going to be affecting the decisions for the coaching staff and the management down the stretch here. I know in talking to Pete, the character assessment uh, from now till April, whatever it is, 15th or whenever we're done, uh, will be huge as well. That will really come into play in, in some of the decisions we make moving forward. McClellan also had this to say about the final 10 games. I want to see 10 winning efforts. Now, does that lead to uh, to success and points in the in the bank? I don't know, but ten winning efforts would be uh, great from individuals, and then collectively lines and pairs, and then the team as a whole. And um, I thought last night we had a winning effort. We just didn't win the game. It was much better in a, in a lot of areas than it was um, comparatively speaking to the uh, Arizona game the night before. So, looking for consistency, we reset things a long time ago as a team. You know, right after the trade deadline, I think we had 18 games left, and and we have an, an internal reset that we're working on, and uh, we're actually ahead of uh, of the game in a lot of areas with that reset, and we're going to keep working towards that. Well, he said at the beginning there. I mean, he knows they're not going to go 10 and 0. Not even the best teams in the league are going to go 10 and 0, or it's unlikely anyway. I mean, I guess there have been a couple streaks of 10 or longer this season, but he wants 10 winning efforts. And that's that's the thing about this team lately. You, you know that they can play it. I mean, last night they played okay. And I, it, it's a loss, so I hate to say that because moral victories are non-existent. You either win or you don't.
But if that effort was repeated night after night after night, they're probably not in the playoffs, but they're probably not second last in the entire league, ahead of only a club with basically an AHL roster. They're playing better on the road. The Talbot's goaltending has been a big help, but still, you shouldn't have to apologize for good goaltending because you darn well need it. But where is the the commitment to the details, to the grittiness? I mean, they, they want to be called scrappy. Well, then you better be scrappy more than every second game or, or three out of every five, right? So, and that's, I guess that's going to be the, the test for picking guys for next year. And McClellan even referenced it on the weekend that he went back and looked at the Oilers roster from last season. And he looked at some of the guys that aren't on the roster anymore, and he said it's not like they've all gone under, on to other teams. Some of them aren't in the NHL anymore. Because other teams look at them and say, oh, well, that guy was a weak player on a bad team. I don't want to pick him up. So guys wind up in the AHL or in Europe or out of the game. So it's just, you know, and McClellan referenced it, and, and, and you know, I think you see it more and more. And, you, and we talked about the maroon comments from last week coming in and talking about the reaction to the early goal in San Jose. Unfortunately, it's a, it's a team, a franchise for that matter, that has gotten used to losing. I'm not saying they like losing, but they've gotten used to it. I think expectations get lower. Here we go again, sets in. And I think now they're kind of at that point this year. So he wants them to be able to rise above that, at least effort-wise, for the final 10 games of the season. Too bad they aren't going to be meaningful, except in the Oilers' lottery position. Drew Remenda is going to join us in the next half hour. Ryan Smith, the former Oiler, now with the Stony Plain Eagles, will join us between 7 and 7.30. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. The Penguins lead the Islanders 1-0 late in the second period. Carolina and Washington 1-1 also late in period two. No score between the Lightning and the Leafs. They've just started the second. Niederreiter, the only goal of the game for the Wild, early second. They're up 1-0 on Ottawa. After one, the Flyers lead the Red Wings 2-zip. Panthers up 1-0 on the Canadians after 20 minutes. Still to come tonight, Kings and Sharks. Boston is in San Jose. The U of A Golden Bears hockey team will uh, play their national quarterfinal in Halifax against St. FX. That'll be on Thursday. We'll actually uh, we'll have updates for you during Inside Sports on Thursday night, so that'll be fun to follow along with that game. Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Speaking of the Golden Bears, Jordan Rowley, their defenseman, two-time Canada West Defenseman of the Year, including this season. He's going to be on between 7.30 and 8. Just quickly before we, we bring in our guest here, here's how my day usually goes in terms of work. When the Oilers are at home, 
I go to Rexall Place for either the morning skate or the practice, and I usually run into Sportsnet's Drew Remenda, who's been very supportive and complimentary of this program, and I'll often say, hey, Reed, good segment. Uh, that, was, that was good. You're doing a good job. He then proceeds to tell me everything that he disagrees with that I said on the show, which is usually a very long list. So I said, Drew, why don't you just come on the show and tell me while I'm saying it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to do it, but that then... I wouldn't be able to be a backseat critic. That's no fun. <laughs> oh, exactly. Well, you'd have to think of my feet, and I would rather just think about it for like six, seven, or eight hours, and then go, you know, I'm going to talk to you tomorrow when I see you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As you're having the glass of cognac before bed <laughs> and the cigar. <laughs> What am I going to say to Reed tomorrow morning? Uh, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. I haven't had you for a while. Good to catch up. Thank you. Uh, I do want to ask you about one thing you, you said, because there actually was, I, I'm clearly exaggerating, I hope people know that, yeah. but there was one thing we started briefly discussing last week, because you actually did come up to me and say, hey, that was a good it's show really, last night, except yeah. you're full of it on the one thing. And I said, I don't even remember <laughs> I don't exactly think how... I, said, I don't think I said you're full of it. Well... I, said, I, I disagree with you on the one thing. And, okay, and that, that was... You probably know where I'm going. I said... Yeah. I don't remember exactly how I put it, but I said something about losing being difficult. Now, yeah. what what is your take on that? It's easy. It's Losing is easy. The actual physical act of losing is easy because all you've got to do is just go out there, show up, go through the motions, and not put in the details, not battle over a puck, not lay down and sacrifice for your team. It's easy. You just have to look like you're working hard. And trust me, I'm on. this is a guy who was on a, a team, and part of a coaching staff. We lost 100 games quicker than anybody in the history of the National Hockey League the first two years with the San Jose Sharks. The second year, we lost 71 games. We went 11-71-2. and two. Try that on for size when you're a 30-year-old, brand new into the National Hockey League and, and you know, coaching. Um, and what you realize, even though you go home and you think to yourself, well, guys worked hard today, then you get to the next point, which was the next year for the San Jose Sharks where I was still assistant coach and we won that year. We had a 58-point improvement and made the playoff, beat Detroit in the, in the playoffs and came within a crossbar beating Toronto. That team work ethic, that team's attention to detail, that team off the ice, that team watching video, that team doing everything that we asked them to do. That was a hard year. But once you got the ball pushed up to the top of the mountain, they were just, they, they said, okay, we got it from here. So players who lose and they go out and they continue to lose and, and, and they, it has year after year after year, they can look like they're working hard. And for the most part, they are. But they don't want to commit to the final detail. They don't want to commit to maybe chipping the puck behind the defenseman instead of turning it over. They don't want to commit to you know, being in the right place in the right time in the defensive zone of taking a hit making making the puck or forcing the puck out of the zone. So losing the physical act is is easy. I know what you were saying. You were saying mentally it wears on you and you're absolutely right there. It does. When Mentally it is trying, it's taxing and right now Todd McClellan's trying to coach these guys and he's talking about we need to do this we need to do that and we need to do this meanwhile they're thinking under their breath maybe not even thinking under their breath they're thinking to themselves with 10 games left or 12 games left you want me to get in the shooting lane why and that's a hard thing for a coach to be able to transfer that message and it's something i know you talked to you asked todd about today is about where are you on this motivating these guys for these last number of games it's a tough Mentally, it's tough, but physically, it's not. 
a long-winded answer, I know. No, well, that no, that's that's a that's a good way to put it. And and you're right. I was talking more about the mental side of it. That it's wearing. It's got to be discouraging to see pick a number from the last. I mean, yeah. two years ago, it was 60 games left in the season, and you were out of it. This yeah. year, depending on how you want to cut the stats and the percentage, it was it was probably. 20 to 25 before you're like I mean that that the the last six game homestand where they yeah. that where they went one four and one that was it that was their last shot if they could have gone yeah. five and one maybe today we're still talking about a long shot chance as opposed to no chance but right. but and but they, that was they it still, they, they'd still be they'd still be talking about being in the hunt right now they'd still be motivated to, to be doing something they'd be they'd be on the outskirts looking in but they at least they would have as you know the great Jim Carrey said. So, like, there's still a chance. Okay, so are there are, are there too many guys who have been through this too often for it to ever work for them in Edmonton? Do we do they need the Patrick Maroons who come in here and you know you know how much play I gave that clip last week? Yeah. Uh, do we need more guys coming in here like him saying it, it was one nothing? Why why are we going away for 40 minutes? Who cares? Absolutely. Let's just keep playing. Absolutely, you need more guys like that, and you need more guys who are going to be impact players like that. You can't just have guys come in and say the right things, and then when they go out on the ice, they're not an impact player. Like they don't make a difference on your team because the skilled players, the better players, will look at it and go, "You played five minutes a night, man. What are you? What are you chirping at?" Mm-hmm. So those things, you need guys who are your leaders to be also your best players, or vice versa. Your best players have to be your leaders. Now, I think when you like, let's let's look at the, the Edmonton Oilers. Specifically, is that if you like, let's look at Taylor Hall because Taylor's the guy that is the guy. Okay, Connor's going to be the guy, but right now Taylor's the guy. He's been here six years and he hasn't won anything. But when you watch Taylor this year, and I've had a few Taylor moments, as I call them, this year, where I've watched Taylor lead or try to lead, and I've been impressed. Now, Taylor is a certain type of player. There's certain things that bother me still about Taylor's game, and number one thing for me is body language with Taylor. But that's you know what he wears. He's still he's he's young still. He wears his, his heart on his sleeve, and sometimes when he smashes the stick or comes on the bench and yells or hangs his head, it bothers me because I think body language sends a message not only to your team but to the opposition as well. It sends it to your team. It sends I'm frustrated. I'm mad at you guys. You guys aren't pulling your weight. And to the opposition team, it says we got him. We got him. I'm done. But those incidents have been few and far between this year with Taylor. The other thing with Taylor, what I've liked, is certain little things that I think, well, this kid is really starting to grasp it. The details of the game, although he'll turn the puck over far too many times for my liking on the attack, but with Taylor Hall, if you're going to drive the net like he does and you're going to try to attack like he does and try to make plays one-on-one, he's going to turn it over a few times. Right? I mean, it's just mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah, for sure. But those, there's the four or five times that he's going to, it's not going to turn it over, and then he's going to get in, get a chance on net, or, or cause a huge ruckus on the forecheck. He's been more physical this year, committed to being physical this year, yet he stayed healthy, smart. He's been a little bit smarter about the way he plays. And, and then there's some other things. Like this one is, and, and nobody noticed it, but it's just me, it's just kind of the way I am. So the first game, the game in New York against the Rangers, the Honor Guard comes out. Honor Guard comes out with the National Anthem singer, and it's the Honor Guard of the Army, and they they do their thing. And... The anthem's over. Everybody except two players skate away. Now, the, the protocol is you stand at attention until the honor guarders left the ice. Everybody else skated away. 
on the Oilers and the Rangers has kept two players, one Ryan McDonough, two Taylor Hall. And I watched that, and I went, wow. For me, it was way to go, Taylor. The next time an honor guard came out, few ever, I think almost everybody on the other team skated away. Taylor said to those guys, hey, hey, we wait. And they waited until the honor guard left, and then he went, and then the team went. Those little things for me show that a guy's getting it, that he's starting to grow. I know it doesn't translate into wins, but I think it will translate into wins if he continues to lead because he's the impact player who's starting to figure it out. Drew Amenda joining us inside Sports on 630 Chat. Love, love those stories. The body language debate is an interesting one, and Rob and I talked about it after the game last night, as we have after many games. I'll right. just quickly give my stance on it. The body language of the Edmonton Oilers is going to be more analyzed by their fans, especially in continued losing situations. So I always take some of the body language reaction from fans with a grain of salt because the fans are frustrated too. Um, Part of me says, well, if you don't want a player to show body language when he's frustrated, do you conversely also not want him to celebrate when he's happy? I think most people would say they're fine with showing happiness. Um, and the other thing is, and Rob made a good point last night, is that there are plenty of elite, elite athletes over the years, from Tiger Woods to John McEnroe to even Wayne Gretzky, Rob pointed out, in terms of how sometimes he would get very frustrated with officials who have shown frustration and negative body language. But Rob said the great guys, the great ones, so to speak, get it out in a burst, it's dealt with, and then they're focused the players that scare you or that you want as an opponent are the ones you see with that outburst and then they can't get rid of it. Because look, how many times did Tiger Woods slam a club or swear or whatever, but then by the time he's walked the 240 yards to the next shot, he's back into shark mode. So, I mean, okay, I, I... Let me let me, throw, let me throw this at you then. All right. How many times have you ever seen Pavel Datsuk? Ever. Ever do anything that thinks, makes you think you got him. Well, Never. I haven't. When have you ever seen Henrik Zetterberg? When have you ever seen Nick Lidstrom? When did you ever see Nick Lidstrom? See, those are the guys I, I think you can have, you, you, yet you can you see them when they score, they've got the joy and but they've still, it's contained. I, there's a saying that I've got and I, I don't know where I got it from, I probably stole it from somebody. You have to play with emotion, but you can't be emotional. When you're emotional, it means you don't have control over it. When you're emotional, it means everything's coming at you from all of, everywhere, and you cannot rein it back in. If you play with emotion, you're in control of that. So I, 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 that's where that's where I come out on that end of that well, argument. All right. So, so is it, it? We're getting into a bit of a broader topic here. Is it different in a team sport than in an, an individual sport as well? Well, I would think so, right? I mean, the team sport. Because if you're doing it as just an individual, it's like I'm, I'm a big I'm a big uh, fight fan. I'm a big UFC guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you watch those guys, and they well. Let's go back to you know probably the, you know, one of the bigger upsets we've seen in the last year was Holly Holm versus Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey's unbeatable, unbeatable. Can't touch her. She's finishing everything in the first round. She comes in against Holly Holm, who's a boxer and, and is just working her way up. Um, and Ronda Rousey comes in with all the body language and the face, and she's making gestures and everything else. Holly Holm comes in, and she is calm as could be. Holly Holm beats her for seven minutes and then wins the championship. After they talked to Greg Jackson, who is the her, her coach, and an outstanding UFC coach, and he said, because there is always a team, no matter if it's an individual person or not in that big of a sport, he said, 
we didn't look at, oh, my goodness, here comes Ronda Rousey with all that power and all that gesture and all that face and all that emotion. We looked at her as a math problem. How do we solve it? And I like players, when they're faced with adversity, look at their situation as a math problem and how do we solve it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. All right, Drew, I got one more for you. This is yeah. going to be this is going to be a fun one. You're you're an okay. ex-coach, and both yeah. both you and I have been all on board with McClellan from from the hiring. We were yeah. we were both big supporters of it, and I continue to be as do you. But how do you coach Andre Secker to get a shot through from the point? <laughs> uh, well, let me let me be let me you know a full disclosure here with Todd McClellan. I've known Todd for thirty five years probably, and and I am president of the Todd McClellan fan club. Um, I think I don't know, but you know what's funny? We talked to uh, um, um, Shea Weber yesterday. Well, actually, Kevin Quinn, my partner, did, and Shea told him that the first thing you have to do is be able to have your feet moving early. You got to get your feet turned. You got to get your feet moving early so that you're ready to shoot before the puck even gets to you. Second, you've got to beat the first guy. You have to beat the first guy if you're going to get pucks through. Second, you, and you do that, or third, I should say, you do that by using fakes, using little little moves here and there just to create a shooting lane. And the last thing was you have to practice. Shea Weber, who's one of the best shots in the National Hockey League, he's got velocity and he gets it off quick, is a guy, he said, he said to Kevin, I practice it every day. I love to shoot the puck, so I'm out there practicing it every day. And you know me and my little rants up in the stands during practice. You've got to be practicing every day. You've got to be perfecting your craft. You work every day, you perfect your craft. I try to perfect our craft. If you're going to be good at anything, what's the rule? 10,000 hours, right? Yeah. You know, I go back, I'll go back to UFC. There's guys like Conor McGregor, even though he lost an ATS last week or two weeks ago. This guy works at his craft every day. I've taken kickboxing and karate since I was 20 years old. You work on the left jab and the, and the front kick as many times as you can. The fundamentals, the fundamentals should never escape your game. So you have to keep doing it and keep doing it if you want to be great at it. I don't see Andre Sekera keep doing it keep doing it on the ice practice after practice. And I know it's late in the season, and I know Reg has been around for a long time, and he's playing probably too many minutes. But, boy, I'd like to see him out there working on that, that skill because he's got a lot of other skills. If he could just stop hitting guys in the shin pads, that power play might be changed and there might be more goals. Well, and that gets back to one of my themes from about the middle of November. Details. Being a detailed, yeah. reliable team, right? Yeah. So That's exactly what it's about. That's what that's what Todd, Jay Woodcroft, and Jimmy Johnson, Ian Irvers, Dustin Schwartz, that they've been preaching. Details, details, details. And if you don't, that's, that's like, again, that goes back to the difference between winning and losing. Are you a detailed team? Or are you a team just, just going to go out there and, and, you know, see if something sticks on the wall? Drew, you've been very generous with your time. Tell you what, we'll debunk this interview tomorrow morning at the rink. How's that? <laughs> Actually, I'm going to come on tomorrow and go, you know what, I really like your guest at 6.35. Mark. Yeah, there we go. We'll see you at the rink, buddy. All right, buddy. Thanks. Bye. Drew Remender from Sportsnet checking in tonight inside Sports at 6.30, Chad. It is 6.50. Of course, you can text 6.30, 6.30. little open line time if you want. If anything, Drew uh, said struck a chord with you, 780-496-0063. We also have some news about goalie equipment when we get back on Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. 
Ryan Smith coming up in about 10 minutes now with the Stony Plain Eagles. We'll see how the Chinook League final against the Bentley Generals is going. Hey, the NHL says goalie equipment will be smaller starting next season. The league announcing changes at the annual GM meetings in Florida. Kay Whitmore is the goalie supervisor for the NHL. He's leading the change for the league, and he says goaltenders support this decision. Well, he's trust me, he does. The better goalies in the game that think this is what's right. They they want a level playing field within their ranks. They want to look at the other end of the rink and feel that the guys down there looks appropriate for his size. So if a guy's 6'4", 250, he should look that big. All right. Sorry, a little glitch there with the uh, computer. He uh, also says that uh, goaltending equipment has gotten increasingly bigger in the past two decades, leading to more blocking and less skill and he says that's why goalies support the change. You don't want the pucks just hitting guys and I think the goalies themselves felt that there should be a bigger gap between the greatest goalies in the league and the other guys and if, if the gap is being closed because of equipment they don't like that. All right so I guess the, the guys who are more athletic better at reading the play want to be able to prove it and not have guys who aren't good at those other skills making saves just because of their equipment. I think it is time for that. And, I, I mean, if, if you're my age or older, I'm 41, you know how different the goalies look than they did in the 80s and prior. And then in the 90s, since the 90s on, they, they've just looked different and bigger in the net. Now, they're more athletic for sure, and the styles are different. That has all helped. But I think if the equipment can be still safe, but a little smaller, I wouldn't mind that at all. Still ahead, Jordan Rowley from the Golden Bears and Ryan Smith after the 7 o'clock news. It'll be great to catch up with him. Inside Sports on Chet.